Our first story of the week is about GLAD's partnership with P&G for an advertisers and agencies inclusion effort called the Visibility Project. On May 12th, GLAD announced this project along with a study that is based on responses from 200 marketing and advertising executives about LGBTQ plus inclusion in advertising. But the project is a tool GLAD wants to leverage with major brands and advertisers to increase LGBTQ plus visibility and representation to fuel widespread acceptance. GLAD's selling point is that LGBTQ plus identity is steadily increasing over time and that identity intersects with all other identities. God is trying to prove the ROI, return of investment of a demographic that can be bought and sold with a nice effort to increase queer representation. And according to GLAD, this is a project that is desperately needed resource. Advertisers and agencies are understanding that the culture is changing. LGBTQ plus representation is nuanced and mainstream society supports positive representation. So these companies don't want to portray anything inauthentic when representing the queer community or to face any backlash from their lack of knowledge. These companies want to appear inclusive and respectful of all communities, as well as help improve the representation of the queer community. And apparently they need some better help understanding us. So GLAD stepped in and in creating their project, they created tools to help advertisers and agencies. These tools include all of GLAD's research and consulting from subject matter experts from the GLAD Media Institute. And by partnering with GLAD, advertisers and agencies will receive visibility and exposure for their brand. Doesn't that sound awesome, Lena? Oh yes, Nick. Nothing like a queer advocacy organization trying to partner with major capitalist brands that do nothing for the queer community. These brands are only worried about optics and their ROI and the representation of us shouldn't earn them any plaudits. At the end of the day, they're worried about their bottom line. And mainstream groups like GLAD compromise themselves in the process by benefiting from performative actions like this visibility project. We need to be supporting local queer companies, advertisers, and agencies. GLAD does incredible work, but this partnering with new queer-friendly companies is not the kind of work that truly makes a difference. The moral is keep rainbow money within the community. And just because a group like GLAD says a company is doing good work for our community doesn't mean they actually are. We have to hold companies and organizations, including queer ones like GLAD, accountable. And thank you all for joining us. This is the Queerly News. Last Saturday, SNL concluded its 46th season with Anya Taylor-Joy hosting and Lil Nas X as musical guest. Lil Nas X performed his two latest singles, Montero and Sun Goes Down, while also performing in a music video alongside Joy and cast members Kate McKinnon, Punky Johnson, and Bowen Yang for a pride-themed satire. It was a strong and incredibly queer outing from SNL, and we almost forgive them for allowing Elon Musk to host. Almost. Almost. A week ago, 60 Minutes aired a segment where Leslie Stahl interviewed four people who regretted going through gender transition and two healthcare professionals who said they support trans people's right to gender affirming care, but think these procedures are sometimes undertaken without sufficient consideration. 
The story primarily focused on these six subjects versus the advocates for gender affirming care. Due to the timeliness of the story and the damaging position the show had taken, groups such as GLAD, the HRC, and the ACLU have come out against 60 Minutes for their decision to air the story. First of all, 60 Minutes hasn't been relevant since before we were born, and it shows. Detransitioning is extremely rare, and their position on the subject reflects archaic beliefs. Looks like it's time to put another media source out to pasture. In an interview on Fox News, Caitlyn Jenner took another position regarding anti-trans sports bills by stating that trans girls who are truly trans should be able to compete in girls' sports. Jenner then proceeded to say how if she were governor, she would put together a commission to review who is truly trans to be able to compete. As governor, I would put together a commission. Trans women can compete in the Olympics, they compete in the NCAA, but when it gets down to the high school level, there's no guide rules, there's no rules and regulations how they can. And trans women who are truly trans, who at a very young age, you know, started proper medical treatment, they've grown up as girls, of course they should be able to compete in girls' sports. But, yeah, some guy who hasn't done any therapy, hasn't done anything, there has to be a review board. I would be the first governor to put together a review board to review each case. Creating a commission that tries to figure out how trans you are is invasive and cruel. There is no measure or percentage of how queer trans someone is. They simply are. Yeah. And also, it's just important to state that what she's suggesting is some type of like genital inspection. And that is something that is just highly just wrong. Something like this is just, it's very hard for us to sit with. Yeah. Over the past couple of weeks, Heritage of Pride, the organization behind New York City's Pride Parade, has made the decision to pan the least organizations from participating in Pride until at least 2025. Instead, the parade will have muscle daddies and butch lesbians to maintain the peace. But in all honesty, reducing MIPD involvement in Pride parades and focusing on having community-led first responders and security is a great step forward for keeping our community safe against police violence. We need to learn how to protect ourselves and community-based security will provide that. Reducing a police presence at all pride parades should be the future because our community, along with other marginalized communities, are constantly being abused by cops. Don't forget that pride started because we fought against the police. Definitely check out FX series Pride to further remember what pride is really about. On May 27, the Louisiana State Legislature sent Senate Bill 156, the anti-transports bill, to Governor John Bell Edwards. Though Edwards had previously stated that he would veto it, it's still important to still have your voice heard by contacting him now. Continue to cry out in anger, sadness, and frustration at the ongoing transphobic bills being passed. But on a more positive note, the Texas anti-trans sports bill, SB 29, was stopped at the, as the deadline passed for the Texas House to vote on it. While this is celebratory news, continue to be alert for any revival and ready to fight the transphobic bills in Texas. I also think we must all prepare for the battle to back the ACLU lawsuits against Arkansas and West Virginia for their transphobic bills that discriminate and harm trans youth. We as a community need to continue to educate ourselves on what's going on and support our trans and non-binary brothers and sisters. Check our link below to see how you can help. 
On Monday, Elliot Page shared this shirtless picture on Instagram with a bright smile on his face and a caption reading, trans babies first swim trunks, hashtag trans joy, hashtag trans is beautiful. We're so happy for Elliot that he can embrace himself fully. I also wanted to take the time to let everybody know that, yes, Elliot looks amazing. That body is seriously rocking. But also, if your trans body doesn't match or there's bigger scars or fatty tissue, don't allow it to make you feel insecure. We all have different bodies and they're all beautiful. Extremely. Okay, so Who's on Top is a new documentary about topping and bottoming. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's actually a documentary about LGBTQ plus athletes that attempt to summit Oregon's Mount Hood. Directed by Taiwanese American filmmaker Devin Fei Fantao and narrated, narrated by George Takei, Who's on Top brings visibility for LGBTQ plus athletes that aren't really represented in outdoor recreations. If you're a queer climber, you'll probably enjoy this documentary and relate to the stories and struggles each athlete talks about. But if you're more like me, just grab some junk food and ugly cry while watching. Or, you know, I would actually watch what you suggested before. How about if they do a documentary on topping and bottom? Yeah. I'll watch that. Uh, yeah, in a minute. <laughs> on Monday, it was announced that May 23rd will officially be known as Born This Way Day in West Hollywood. Lady Gaga also received a key to the city to commemorate her legacy as an LGBTQ plus advocate and artist. In other news, West Hollywood has become overrun by white gays as Lady Gaga asserts the throne, declaring the city as the state of Chromatica. No confirmation yet on whether Biden will take action. Okay, we need to talk about CW Powerpuff Girls script that was leaked. God, it was horrible. And... Thank God it's getting scrapped and sent back to the writer's room. But can we also talk about how in the leaked script, it revealed that Buttercup is queer? I mean, there's a reason why I liked her as a child. In one of the leaked scenes, Buttercup has just finished having sex six times with a girl named Macy that she just met at a bar. If this reworking of the script manages to get the show a decent running, I hope Buttercup being queer isn't something that they rework. And in other 90s cartoons revelatory queer awakenings, Bill and Lil's mom, Betty DeVille, from the Rugrats, just came out. Apparently, the character voice actor Natalie Morales confirmed that Betty will be openly gay in the Rugrats reboot from Paramount+. Plus. So, what 90s cartoon character are you waiting to come out of the closet next? I know that there's quite a few, but come on, we all knew that Bill and Lil's mom was a lesbian. Yes. They were both hags for each other. And honestly, if nobody knew that, then oof, I don't know what your childhood was. On May 25th, 2021, marked the one year anniversary since George Floyd's murder. As we all remember, the tragic death of George Floyd was another result of racism and police brutality. I won't get into the details of his death as the pain is so fresh and to some triggering. But I will say that his life is far from forgotten as we commemorate it through the marches, protests, and cries for police reform and justice to the Black lives lost to an oppressive, violent, and racist country. I want us all to take a moment of silence for George Floyd. Please donate to the George Floyd Memorial Foundation and help end systemic violence towards Black Americans.
same story today is about the enormous cost of becoming America's next drag superstar and competing on RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, we know that to become a star in RuPaul's, you need charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. But it also turns out you need a lot of money. Vice reported on the cost of competing on RuPaul's Drag Race, interviewing various queens throughout the show's history on how much it costs for them to get on the show. And for most queens, we're talking about thousands of dollars. From priceless wigs to custom-made couture, drag artists like Sasha Valore and Evie Oddly spent over $4,000 and $14,000 on their respective seasons. These two had to find sources of funds through loans, crowdfunding, endorsements, and life savings, all for the chance to become a star on RuPaul's. But the thing is, many drag artists can't afford or can't scrape together thousands of dollars. Monique Hart, who competed on season 10, had less than 2,000 grand to spend on her wardrobe, ultimately sacrificing time other contestants had to work on non-fashion challenges and preparing for lip sync competitions as she worked to make custom changes. Queens like her and the late Chi Chi Devane don't have the funds to have perfect looks prepackaged, and the judges seem aware of their contestants' disadvantages, but don't seem to care. RuPaul is a self-made entrepreneur and brand. Taking drag into the mainstream and creating a series of drag race shows in different countries and drag race special limited series. RuPaul always drives home the point that self-sufficiency is enough to make it. But I'll let Michelle Visage, Ru's right-hand woman, to sum up that belief in her response to late contestant Devane's excuse of not having money, stating, you don't need money, girl. That's never an excuse. Unfortunately, it seems as if Rue and his squad are a little out of touch with reality. See, here's the thing. For the queer community, many don't have the opportunity to secure the funds needed to use wigs with real hair or real jewels or tailored costumes. And with the saturation of drag artists trying to make it in the world as a performer, it's becoming much harder for anyone with sheer raw talent and ambition to stand out against those who are more privileged. That's the thing. RuPaul's Drag Race benefits white cis queens. Queens of color and queens with diverse bodies don't always often have the privilege to afford the necessities to have the opportunity to stand out from other artists. And it costs a lot more for artists with diverse body types to find looks that show off their beauty. RuPaul has recently championed drag artists of color in recent seasons. However, that seems more beneficial to RuPaul and the Drag Race brand than to performers actually trying to make it on the show. This past season, Drag Race made strides in having their first out trans contestant compete, Got Mick, who became an instant star on social media and also finalists, breaking down barriers in drag representation. But that doesn't mean Drag Race is trans-friendly. Look, we appreciate the work RuPaul is doing to be more inclusive but there's still a lot more work to be done. It wasn't that long ago that RuPaul was adamant about not allowing trans contestants or drag, or drag queens on the series. Back in 2018, less than three years ago, RuPaul was quoted as saying that trans contestants would probably not be eligible to compete on the show because it changes the whole concept of what they're doing. After a wave of backlash that was spurred by a now deleted tweet, RuPaul apologized for their comments and made work on being more inclusive. Got mixed inclusion in the reality competition seems to be a start. But just like with Got Mix inclusion, we see these actions as cosmetic fixes. 
This is just speculation, but wouldn't it be savvy to host a trans contestant and say, hey, we've changed. We're done with this now and wash your hands of it. Although casting Gottmik isn't a performed act of change, but her not winning her season could have been. We're not accusing the show of fraud, but at the end of the day, RuPaul makes the final choice for who wins, deciding the outcome of every lip sync elimination all the way up until winner is crowned. This is why we've been suspicious of a recent trend of drag artists of color winning back-to-back seasons. Now, if we're asked, we'd agree that the current winner, Simone, and previous winner, Jada Essence Hall, deserve to win, and so did Gottmik this season. But we do start to wonder if RuPaul and the queer community could do more. Perhaps we have a lack of drag artists of color and drag artists with diverse bodies able to compete, or they are chosen by RuPaul because these drag artists don't have the access to opportunity. There's more that we can do in our local queer communities to support current and rising drag artists who are trying to achieve success. RuPaul might be more partial to Prem and a queen of color because we collectively know the disadvantages queens of color face, as well as our trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming queens, and also our queens of diverse body types. When drag costs thousands of dollars to compete in an oversaturated market that favors white cis queens, then those who truly benefit from dragon gatekeeping its world, like RuPaul, need to do more to amplify and lift up the queens who deserve the same opportunities, the same chance to compete. We need equity in the drag race scene, and we need to amplify the underrepresented performers in drag, trans and gender queer drag artists, drag kings, and basically anyone who's truly queering drag. Support your local drag artists in queer social spots and be mindful of who benefits from drag and who is sorely being left out. And if you're looking for something a little less mainstream than RuPaul, may we suggest the Boulay Brothers Dracula on Netflix that takes camp and hordes of the extreme or Legendary on HBO Max, which is a ballroom competition that features drag and trans performing in houses. Drag race has become a part of quote unquote gay culture but let's focus on the drag that's actually queer. To queer is to fuck up, and that's what we should do. All right, that's our show. Stay tuned next week for another episode of the Queerly News. Also, for the month of June, we will solely be focusing on Pride content, concluding with an investigative special on the Rainbow Dollar. Yes, so stay tuned. This has been Nick and Lena. Stay safe and stay queer. Stay queer.